0: Hello everybody, uh, welcome to the second episode of Outward Thoughts, I am Ben Schluter, I don't wanna, I don't know if I should say I am the host of this, or if I'm just the, I don't know, that doesn't matter. What does matter is that this is the second episode, or unless you wanna count the bonus episode that I uploaded yesterday as the second episode, in which case this is the third episode. Um, the first episode was a bit of a rambly ramble on rambly topics, and And uh, this time, I actually have a much more focused idea of what we're doing. Um, We're not going to be delving into anything majorly political. Going to have a small discussion. Uh, The main thing that we're going to be going through today is... um, ESPN, for the 150th anniversary of college football, made this 150 Greatest Games. And uh, basically, we're just going to look through it. And uh, this is more just going to be me rambling about... ...with actual structure this time, granted, about uh, some of these games and their historical significance... ...or if there were things that I would have said, Hey, maybe this isn't that big? Um, But I'm going to start off with a little bit of a thing because of news that dropped yesterday. Um, If you weren't aware, the Washington Post had... So a couple days ago, this would have been about, I think it was Tuesday? No, this was Wednesday night... Um, a bunch of people on Twitter started circulating a bunch of rumors about a story that was supposed to drop from the Washington Post the next day. That was yesterday. Uh, That had been Thursday, the 16th of July. And basically, what they were saying was that it was about the uh, football team, the NFL team in Washington, which currently doesn't have a nickname, but for the sake of um, the fact that all of this happened during the time period of 2006 to 2019. I will officially be calling them the Redskins. I know it's a racial slur, but it was the name of the team and I can't really get around it. So if you really don't like hearing it, at least it's gone. And trust me, it's not the worst thing you're going to hear because what it was, what the rumors were terrible and terrible in two ways. Number one, they were overblown because uh, they alleged things like sexual assault, drugs. Um, they alleged that head coach or former head coach, I'm not exactly sure right now, Jay Gruden was involved in this. Um, what ended up happening was that the story got posted and it was 15 women were accusing upper level management of sexual harassment. Now in the week leading up to this, in the seven days prior, three top members of the uh, team had left or resigned. That included their play by play guy who'd been there for 16 years. Um, And I read through the article. I'll tell you that one of the reasons why the rumors were terrible is that they downplayed what actually happened in the article. Like, it was much less severe than the stuff that was thought to be there. Um, And some people were thinking that maybe this would get... This would force Dan Snyder to sell the team, which unfortunately, it hasn't. God, I hate that guy. He's a terrible owner. He's a terrible person. Because he allowed all of this to go on. But even then... All of these allegations, and I believe every single one of these allegations, mainly because they have the receipts for some of them that happened. And the former Play by Play guy was once caught on a hot mic talking about a young intern and how good she looked, which totally wasn't creepy at all, minus the whole creepiness part. But it isn't the worst thing I've ever heard from the organization. And it's, I don't want to say I was underwhelmed, I wasn't, but I wasn't surprised. Because this isn't the worst thing I've heard about this organization doing. Uh, In, I think it was 2018, I'm pretty sure it was 2018, an article came out alleging that there was some, well basically what happened was, in 2013, they alleged, well this was true. Sorry, that's a bit rambling, let me get on point here. In 2013, the Washington Redskins cheerleaders did a beach photo shoot in Costa Rica. Now, Some big, I think, minority owners and uh, guys who buy the box seats uh, were apparently invited to go along with it if they, you know, donated X amount of money. Now, that in and of itself is a bit weird, but it's not terrible. Like... Okay, but it is a beach shoot. But they basically turned the cheerleaders into escorts or something. Like, it became a topless shoot. I don't exactly remember this. And this is all allegations. There's nothing 100% proven. And I say that because even though I'm not, you know, actually meaningful in terms of media, I want to make 100% sure that none of this has been proven in a court of law. Can't really do that. That's unethical. Uh, You know what else is unethical, though? Um, Commenting about a woman's appearance when you yourself are A, married, B, her boss, and C, doing it when no one ever asked for it, it's terrifyingly sad because it's what I realize is, and it's something that I already knew internally, it's something that you have to internalize uh, when you understand how this business is and what the types of people there are in sports. Women are not treated well. Women are just not treated well in sports and especially sports media. And uh in front offices. They're just not. For some stupid reason, it's seemingly below them. Which really? Really? You're gonna treat them like a second No, fuck you. Fuck you. These people deserve a lot more. You had women who were crying in the bathroom to each other because of how they were treated. One of the one that actually identified herself, there were fifteen, but fourteen of them remained anonymous because and this is absolutely annoying to me, and it pisses me off, and it should piss you off. The organization will not say definitively whether or not they'll go after these women because they violated NDAs. Hey, guess what? Um, don't go after them, because what they're doing is very important. You guys are lucky that they didn't file lawsuits against you. Oh wait, you're not because you set it up specifically so that that couldn't happen. And in, in a workplace of 220 employees, you had one HR rep? You had one HR rep. That's it. And they did nothing. And who are they going to fire? Obviously, they're going to fire the low-level person for something small. HR only exists to keep the company out of PR trouble. They don't exist to actually... Care. That's why they're called human resources. And not help. You know, like, like they should be. They should be help. It's, it's so simple. And so, with this whole thing, I'm not surprised what happened. Looking at this, if you are surprised, that is a, not a bad thing. Because, you know, for me, I I actually assume the worst, especially from this organization... Uh, I consider them probably the worst in football. Yes, I'd consider them worse than the Cleveland Browns because guess what the Cleveland Browns don't do all the time or don't have a history of? Abuse. Abuse and misconduct. Incompetence is not that bad. In fact, I'd rather them have been just incompetent because at least they're not hurting anyone besides their fans. But no, you have this organization who's incompetent but also has abusiveness. And Dan Snyder, by the way, the owner of the team, is abusive too. He was abusive to Daryl Green, who's one of the major marketing executives, um, because he was a cheerleader in college, and he would constantly make fun of him for that. And then Green took it out on these women. Because mm, it was it's a toxic culture inside the organization, although you wouldn't hear that from former... I think, general manager Bruce Allen, who was once quoted as saying, the culture is actually quite good. I should note, that was in September of 2019. I thought that was actually two years ago when I, when someone pointed out to me that was only in September or October. Yeah, that's how long this year has been. So, yeah. This really, it hurts. Um, I've really feel bad for every single one of these people. Of course I do. This never should have happened. One of them said that they were never going to work in pro sports again because of this, and that shouldn't be a thing. Women should not be terrified to work in an industry because of the people in it. Especially because of an experience inside of this. Women, this is this shouldn't be a boys club. It makes it worse when it's a boys club because guess what? You can't get more people. You can't get more money. It's financially stupid. Like seriously, there's so many reasons not to do this. Not even just on a moral ground. It's just inherently stupid to alienate people. And that's the most important thing. That even if just mm, I cannot put into words how much I hate this. For good reason cuz it's just mm. Yeah, I I hate that team. I hate that team on a personal level because of how they treat people. I think anyone would. That you hate a team because of the way they treat their employees. The only thing that I can say is that thankfully they don't compete for championships. Otherwise, we'd have to hear about them all the damn time and frankly, I don't want to hear about them. Let's see. Sorry if there's a little bit of a deadness. Um but I'm just reading through some stuff. And okay. So now that we're done with all of that, I am now going to get us into a sporting topic. Not just any sporting topic, but um ESPN's 150 greatest games of all time. Now if you'll excuse me, I need to pull this up really quick. I hope you can hear me, by the way. It's really tough for me to make my microphone work well, because again, we're not talking about a desk here. I don't know why I'm doing that. Okay, here we go. And, uh, one thing, by the way, personal pet peeve of mine. Why why is this so common in places where they put number 1 at the top and the last thing at the bottom? Um I want to see this in order from worst from the lowest to the bu- to the top. This stupid is so stupid. So so st- stupid. But you know what? Doesn't matter. We're going to get all the way down to number 150 in this thing. I will skip. I'll tell you all of them, but some of them are more interesting than others. Some I have more of a knowledge base on. Uh, And yeah, so instead of us having a political discussion, this is going to be one of those uh, bit of a knowledge thing for you. Um, Not everybody is as big into sports history as I am. I know that. I'm humongous into it. Uh, But this will definitely be an interesting ride. Uh, so we're going to start with number 150. Number three, Alabama, uh, beating Tennessee in, 1960, in 1966. They won 11-10. to 10. They trailed 10 nothing in the fourth quarter. Kenny Stabler, yes. Ken Stabler, Alabama used to produce good quarterbacks. In the 1960s, there were, I was like, let me try this. Um, there are three guys you've probably heard of. Bart Starr, Joe Namath, and Ken Stabler. All three went to Alabama. It's crazy to think that that happened. It's crazy. Although, granted, I think Joe Namath wanted to go to Penn State, but Penn State wouldn't offer him a scholarship. But, yeah, they went. But, yeah, they were down 10 nothing, and they won the game. The next one is USC's victory over UCLA in 1988, 31-22. Uh, this one's funny because, uh, and I'm going to push this. There's no sponsorship here, but you need to watch it. Uh the name of the YouTube channel is Jaguar Gator 9, I think. If you look up Jaguar Gator on YouTube, you'll find it. it he makes the best uh sports uh, NFL history videos I've seen. Uh does one like almost every day, also has a ton of highlights of older NFL players, some guys that you just are like, oh my god, I remember him. Uh, like, he's posted all of Zach Mettenberger's TD passes, which took only two minutes of a video to put. So, I thought he had a bit more than that, but no. Anyway. I mention him because he posted a video today about the dumbest fourth down um, attempt in history. And it was not the Patriots going for it against the Colts, because guess who was on the other side? For the Colts. Peyton Manning. You do not want to give the ball to Peyton Manning. <laughs> but anyway, this game, you had Rodney Peet. He had measles. Wow. And he led USC to the win over Troy Aikman. Now, I mention Jaguar Gator because that uh, fourth down play was the Cowboys against the Eagles. Troy Aikman against Rodney Peet. Yes. Isn't it crazy how those two would meet again? Rodney Peet was drafted by the Lions. So we know how great a quarterback he was, but he eventually made his way to the Eagles, and they were playing uh, the Barry Switzer head-coached Cowboys. And if you know anything about what Barry Switzer did in Dallas, you would know that he is considered the worst coach to ever win a Super Bowl. He was an absolute—it was an absolute train wreck while he was there. Uh, but he had like an unstoppable team, so they were going to win a Super Bowl anyway. Unfortunately, proving Jerry Jones right about one thing. Ugh. anyway yada 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 basically in that I should mention in that game uh, the Cowboys went for it when they could have not went for it when the game was tied and they got the Eagles into field goal range they kicked the field goal and they won the game and it snapped a 7 game losing streak for the Eagles against the Cowboys the next one is Auburn's win over Alabama 1949 a 14-13 to victory uh, oh geez okay then yeah oh, <laughs> oh this is good you know how auburn won alabama missed the extra point The yeah alabama would never lose to auburn by missing an easy kick ever again <laughs> sorry i just i absolutely hate alabama for obvious reasons um in every sport that is football because frankly, they don't do well in anything else. That's the great thing about Alabama. You just watch football and you're like, ugh, but then you watch foot you watch basketball and you're like, we don't have to worry about them. Anyway, number 147, Dartmouth versus Cornell. Cornell was ranked number two in the country. It was 1940. This was a thing, by the way. It used to be the Northeast was actually the hotbed of college football, because that's where they kind of invented it. But number two, Cornell. Wait a minute, what? So they won the game. Th- this is weird. Okay, Cornell won this game 7-3. But the next day... Okay, this is weird, but it's not, and they're probably going to mention it. If they don't, I will talk about it. Yeah, I'll talk about it in a second. Um, Basically, they scored a touchdown on a fifth down, and... Uh, The next day, the referee sent a telegram to Dartmouth apologizing for the error. After confirming it on film, Cornell sent a telegram forfeiting the game. That's actually interesting. It is not the only time I've heard of this. Now, I don't know who their opponents were, but Central Missouri was the team that scored this random touchdown. Central Missouri scored a game-winning touchdown against another small school. Central Missouri is a D2 school. Their Their nickname is, I believe, the Mules. That doesn't matter. What does matter is the fact that that touchdown shouldn't have scored. They knew that. They knew the referees had missed the fact that he had that their runner had gone out of bounds. You know that famous thing, uh, that little scene uh, clip that you see on Twitter sometimes, and it's like, I touched the ball, coach. That's what they did. They actually went to the referees and said, Y'all missed this call. We didn't score a touchdown. And they were like, okay. I think they were playing, okay, random thing. I think they were playing Arkansas uh Monticello. It's some school in Arkansas, I think. Anyway, um, and the referees were like, so you don't want to count the touchdown? And they were like, nope. I think they lost the game. They lost the game. That was the game-winning touchdown. They lost the game as a result. The next one, number 146, is Toledo beating Western Michigan 66-63. to Uh-huh. That's, um... That's a high scoring football game. God, we're almost twenty minutes into this thing. I don't wanna go forever, but Yeah. So I'm gonna actually start skipping through these unless they're games I'm well aware of. Uh Baylor beating TCU sixty one to fifty eight. Oh, there's a good one. N- number one forty four. The twenty eleven the twenty This annoys me. They play the national championship game and 2011, but it was for the 2010 season, so you call it the 2011 National Championship game, but it was for the 2010 season, so what the fuck, the NFL gets around this, why can't you guys, anyway, they played the game, Auburn won 22-19, uh, it was a pretty good game, I didn't really watch it, I wasn't that into college football in 2010, Um, I wasn't really that into everything in 2010, next one I remember, Arkansas at Ole Miss, in overtime in 2015, The game that kept Ole Miss out of the SEC Championship. Because of that weird uh, lateral thing, if you remember. Uh, Arkansas was down to a 4th and 25, and they needed to score to win the game. And so they went for something, and then the dude threw the wackiest lateral back in the history of football. And uh, it was on the ground, and like Arkansas picked it up and somehow managed a first down... And then they scored a touchdown and won the game. Oh, yes, that's right. They scored a touchdown and then they went for two. And then they won. Uh, 1939 Rose Bowl. Ah, yes. That one means so much. It was USC playing Duke. Who cares? I don't know about this Penn State versus Illinois game of 1994. Uh, BC versus Tennessee in 1941. That was the Sugar Bowl night. like Again, my my history is not really that great in some places. But in other places, I have way too much. Oh, yes. This game. <laughs> ah, yes. 2007 LSU beating uh, Florida. Yep. The drive where Jacob Hester became God. Yeah. Florida may have had Tim Tebow, but we had this guy named Jacob Hester. And basically what he did was he would dig for every single yard he possibly could. And I don't know how he never made it in the NFL. I mean, just, hi, I'm Jacob Hester. If you hand me the football, I'll get you like three yards. Except for that one time when you kept handing the ball off to me and it didn't work. <clears throat> whatever. What- whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Big one. The next one, the 2011 game of the century between LSU and Alabama, or as I like to call it, (laughs) you don't have a kicker. Alabama left 12 points on the board in that game because of their kicker. Actually, okay, I'm going to be realistic here. They left nine points on the board because of their kicker and because they couldn't stop LSU from blocking a field goal, three more. I can't believe, okay. Eric Reed's interception in that game still blows my mind to this day. How does he steal the football in mid-air? That is the biggest robbery I've ever seen of a catch. It's like, no, you did not. No, you. I'm more surprised the referees caught it. Because that had to happen on instant. If that would have been looked at on instant replay, and it would have been ruled a catch, they would have overturned it, I think. Because he clearly steals the ball in midair. But how do you do that? The ball's like right in his chest. Like, that is the most fight I have ever seen from an interception. Yep. Kicker at the time was Drew Aleman. His name is A-L-L-E-M-A-N. Here's an interesting bit of trivia. At some point, his family was German. I can tell because of his name. Aleman is the... Um, French equivalent for German for Germany uh, because that's basically the way it works in a lot of uh, trying to think uh, yeah, romance languages in a lot of romance languages Allemand is the name of Germany uh, I believe it's like Alemania or Alemania I don't know exactly how they pronounce it in Spanish uh, but it works the same way if you can see that in a last name you know their family has a hint of German in them or Germanic So, like, that kind of area. So, maybe Prussian. Yes, I know this is football, but guess what? We can talk about whatever we want here. These are some outward thoughts, after all. Oh, why'd you have to remind me of that? Great. I mean, I don't think I actually watched it, but uh, Arkansas beating LSU in 2007. Can we just talk about the fact that 2007, Arkansas had Peyton Hillis and Darren McFadden and how unfair that was? Can someone... Please explain to me how it was fair that Peyton Hillis and uh, Darren McFadden were in the same backfield. Like, Arkansas in the mid-2000s... I think people don't recognize this, but Arkansas just got absolutely shit on by the fact that they were in the SEC West. Because at one point, I think it was 2011, they were the number three team in the country. There were points where they were in the top ten a lot. And that's because they had really talented players. And this is sometimes forgot this is probably forgotten about because they are the worst team in the SEC since uh since AM and Mizzou joined the SEC, they've had the worst winning percentage of any SEC team. That's right. Vanderbilt's better than them. By six wins. And this is, I think, overall wins and not um just in the conference, although I'm not hundred percent sure on that. Anyway, Minnesota beating Nebraska in 1936. I'm actually gonna go on this one. Uh Minnesota, if you're not aware of how good they were, um they were one of the best teams of they were no, there's not one of the this is definitively they were the best team of the nineteen thirties. They were the best team in the nineteen thirties. Um and the nineteen twenties ish and in the nineteen tens. Their best season, and I think their only double-digit win season ever, came when they were scoring 100 points against... Okay, I think it was against Grinnell, was the name of it. Grinnell is a T3 school now. Famous for their uh dude who scored 130-something points in a basketball game. Uh, But... Yeah, anyway. And it did help, by the way, that at the time, uh, back in the day, they would play high schools. Yes, there were college teams playing high schools, and it was competitive, mainly because mm, they weren't exactly, it was basically like an inter-squad matchup. It was like graduates versus uh, students. But um, yeah, in the 1930s, there was basically no stopping Minnesota. So this one works very well. Oh, look at this. A punt return touchdown to score with a minute and eight seconds left. So, this is incredible. Uh, this is a quote from one Cornhuskers player from the Omaha World Herald. By God, they've got a horseshoe. They've got a damn swell horseshoe. Oh, I misread that. They've got a damn swell horseshoe. Yeah, that was their third straight natty. And then you got 1943, which was number one, Notre Dame, versus number two, Iowa Pre-Flight. Yes, Iowa Pre-Flight. This was during the 1940s, during World War II, uh, Pre-Flight schools in Military schools across the country uh, were sprouting up, and some of them played football. Uh, I don't exactly remember which one, but that's where Vince Lombardi got some of his earliest coaching experience in uh, 1943. Some, I think it was a, I'm not even going to keep going with that. But uh, yeah, Notre Dame ended up winning the national championship as a result of this game. 1933, nobody cares. <laughs> No, I'm not going to go with this one, even though I don't... Because I don't know much about it. Uh, 1998. Nope, that is not it. 19... Hmm. Ah, so 1934, a victory that propelled Minnesota to their first national championship of three. Oh, this one's big. Princeton at Chicago, 1922. Princeton 21, Chicago 18. First of all, the University of Chicago, located in Chicago, used to be a football powerhouse. There's a man you may have heard of named Amos Alonzo Stagg. If you haven't heard of him, he's the greatest coach in the history of football. I know people say Vince Lombardi, but Amos Alonzo Stagg was probably... Okay, I just said that, and let me rephrase this. Amos Alonzo Stagg changed everything. Amos Alonzo Stagg was the first coach to be paid to coach a football team. Chicago paid him separately to coach their football team because they knew that could make them a national name. Now, after the 1930s and the team started sucking, they dropped football, and they dropped any caring of athletics. Now, the Maroons, as they are known, uh, still play football to this... uh, Now play football again. Uh, I think... It's the UAA, which is basically a bunch of D3 schools with really, really good academic reputations. But um, one interesting thing is that Chicago's football team is pretty famous for its football stuff. Its field is famous for a second reason. Um, now, I would say why that is. And I will, because underneath it, was where some of the testing and development was done for the Manhattan Project that eventually led to the first atomic bomb. They did that under the field of Chicago's uh, stadium. And I think it's named after him, uh, Stagg. Now, anyway. By the way, Stagg also coached basketball and was damn good at it. Really good coach. But this game, he didn't do so well at because he lost, you see. Yep. A comeback, but it was the first college football game nationally broadcast on radio. Yada yada, this game doesn't matter even though I, I should know this one. It's 2009 Cincinnati beating Pittsburgh 45-44, to 44, but it wasn't my kind of thing. I was a bit uh, wrapped up in another f- football thing going on in 2009. That was a bit better. Oh yes, now we get to talk about one of the things I actually really wanted to talk about. C6H0. No, it's not a chemical formula. It's Center, 6, Harvard, 0. October 29th, 1921. Center College in Kentucky is a, th- is a Division three school now. And it was a very small school at the time. Nobody really expected them to do anything. They were going up against the mighty Harvard Crimson. How mighty, you might ask? 25 games without losing. 25 games without losing. So they should beat the crap out of these weirdos from Kentucky, right? I don't know how it happened, but uh, center pulled off the greatest upset in the history of football. And I mean the greatest upset. I will will talk about this for days on end, how any other upset is pointless because it wasn't C6-H0. Because Center beating Harvard is bigger than any other upset that we're going to see on this list, and here's why. And I'm going com- to compare it to Appalachian State's upset of Michigan because that's the one that's considered to be the greatest upset, and I don't think so. Okay, Center College was a medium- is a medium-sized college, a small college in Kentucky. Its nickname is the Colonels. They were known as the Praying Colonels, which was actually very fitting for this game, if you think about it. But... They were nobodies. Now, you might say the same about Appalachian State, but they were two-time defending national champions of the FCS. Yeah, nobodies. Right. That's a nobody. They ended up winning the national championship that year, too. They three-peated. We're talking about a team that was not pulling off a great upset. That's not a great upset. This is a team that's very dominant, that's obviously dominant, going up against a team that, while they are a Goliath, they're not unbeatable. And it was clear and obvious that they did not prepare for them in that game. But also, Michigan that year was okay-ish. Yes, they ended up with, like, I think two losses. I think they ended up with one more loss in the season. They didn't win a national title. They didn't finish inside, like, the top 10. I think they barely finished in the top 10. You know what Harvard ended up doing? There was no AP poll. There was no AP poll at the time. We don't know exactly uh, what they would have done had there been an AP poll. But to put into perspective the difference between the two, Michigan was ranked, I think, uh, in the preseason AP poll number 7 or 8 that year, in 07. Harvard would have been ranked number 1. It would have been a unanimous number 1. There wouldn't have been anybody close. 25 games unbeaten. Now, no, it's not unbeaten and untied. It is unbeaten. Um, and I'm not going to look... I'm trying not to, because I don't have a great setup where I am. I'm not going to look up exactly what their record was. But I know they had at least 10 or 15 victories under their belt. Because it would be unreasonable to think they didn't. And this was, by the way, another thing. This was at Harvard. And this was the 1920s, and it's Kentucky to Boston. Do you understand how difficult that is to make? Appalachian State had to hop on a plane. In 1921, passenger airplanes were barely a thing, if any. I don't even... I just... Yeah. Um... Anyway... You got the seven-overtime Arkansas at Ole Miss game from one That's craziness. Eh. Oh, yes. No, actually, I'm not going to go with the Big 12 championship. Hmm. Marshall versus Xavier. Oh. Okay. It was the first win for Marshall after the plane crash. Interesting thing. Uh, if you're aware of the Marshall plane crash in 1970, uh, it inspired the movie We Are Marshall. There isn't a movie called We Are Wichita State. But I believe, and I'm gonna... In 1970, that wasn't the only one that happened. That was not the only plane crash that happened. I'm I'm, I'm gonna get... I'm gonna double check this because I cannot be wrong about this. Um... I know Wichita State, which doesn't have a football team now, but used to... Had a horrific... Plane crash... Of their own... In... Yeah. It was 1970. October 2nd, 1970. And, um... Yeah, this was before... Marshall's accident. October 7, 2nd, 1970. 14 players and their and a coach uh, was killed. Now granted, it wasn't the same as uh, the Marshall crash, which basically killed the entire team, uh, led to a huge outpouring of support, but it was still a huge tragedy. By the way, um, West Virginia offered to play in Marshall's um, absence and wear their uniforms. So the NCAA said, "Yeah, probably you don't want to do that, because uh, no." So Marshall had to forfeit that game. Which it probably wouldn't have been very fair because West Virginia was really, really good. Let me guess. No, you know what? Watch this. It was a game against the Ohio Bobcats. Yada 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 Anyway, let's not talk about that game. Let's talk about something that actually did more that I know more about. Because I don't want to talk about random stuff that doesn't pertain to what I know. I do want to talk about things that I am much better suited to talking about. Oh yes, let's talk about this one. The Bluegrass Miracle is a play that doesn't get talked about nearly enough because it is the most ridiculous ending to a football game. Why? Because it isn't- Okay, the Stanford band didn't uh, storm the field, no. But the fans stormed the field to celebrate the victory they did not have. Which I think is in a way a little funnier. Basically, LSU had no chance of winning the football game. They were down three and they were at their- Where were we? And I say we because I'm wearing my national championship shirt right now. Anyway. Um. Anyway, where was I? Oh, I'm sorry. So, yeah. Yeah. 15-yard line. Marcus Randall was at the 15-yard line and just chucked up. I wouldn't even be able to call it a prayer. It was like everything you've ever hoped for needed to happen. It's like... (sighs) Fine. Fine, 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 fine. Somehow, someway... Devery Henderson caught it. The ball bounced in the most... I don't know what the heck it is. And I advise you to look it up if you don't know it by heart. By the way, I hate the fact that the actual call of uh, of the play has been edited. I... Because, uh... I'm gonna get this name. I'm gonna get... Jim Henderson does not say that Devery Henderson caught it initially. I think he thought it was, like, a guy named Mike Hunt. I'm saying that very carefully. Anyway, um... But, yeah, somehow, Devery Henderson caught the damn pass and went into the end zone. Everybody was lined up, ready to tear down the goalposts, because... It's Kentucky beating LSU. That does not happen very often. Unless it's basketball. In which case it happens all the damn time. (sighs) And, uh, yeah. They start running on the field. Running on the field. And, uh, I don't think they realize who's won the game. I don't think they... I don't think they realize who's won this football game. Yeah, I didn't win it. You lost. You lose. Goodbye. Yeah. That's fun... That one doesn't matter as much to me. Nope. Not that one. Hmm. Okay. This is another one of those old-timey games. Because, frankly, that's where a lot of my history knowledge is. It's in the... This one comes from 1907. Carlisle. Uh, Carlisle Indian School. Uh, which no longer exists. I think it was in... I want to say Indiana. But I'm probably wrong about that. Probably is in Kansas. I think it's in Kansas. It was in Kansas. It's now a historic monument. Uh, it was the premier... Uh, messed up native school that we created for reasons of asshole That's what I like to say about it. Um, And they were playing Harvard. In Harvard. Now. Remember the idea... Of, uh, C6H0. This was kind of-ish like it if, uh, that were a rivalry game. You see, Crimson... I'm sorry. Harvard and Carlisle had actually been playing each other in a series for the past, uh, few years. Why? Why not? Why not? There were like 40 teams playing at that time. There weren't that many. You needed someone. Uh, might as well. Problem was that, uh... Harvard wasn't ready. Harvard wasn't ready for the chicanery that these Indians were going to put. And yes, that was the name of the team. Uh, They used this new invention. It was 1907. It was very new. It was called the forward pass. And they used the hell out of it. Even though the rules for the forward pass were bullshit. By the way, 23-15 to seems like an odd score. But scoring didn't make any sense at the time. I think... I'm I'm, I'm kicking myself because it's like scoring was very weird. Because scoring used to be rugby. Because football used to be rugby. And this is an important thing that people don't understand sometimes about old football. Like, why are there so few passes? Because it's basically a soccer ball with pointed edges. I can tell you, I've... Actually, I haven't held a real one, but I went to Penn State for a visit and uh, they allowed, they had this thing where you could basically hold like the end of it, try and grip it. You can't grip that. I don't know what moron decided that was something you would want to throw. Rugby, what the hell? That's why they redesigned the football so that it would actually be more conducive to the passing game. Somehow, some way, Carlisle managed to deal with that. Uh,. They used an 85-yard stop-and-go punt return. QB runoff a fake handoff. Oh. So, QB draw. No, not a QB draw. Shut up. Yada, yada. Where the hell is it? Kansas State versus Nebraska? Oh, yes. 1998 Big 12 championship game. Also known as the biggest travesty in the history of ever. You see, back in the 1990s, and because of Kansas State, 98 was a stupid year for two reasons. And uh, 98, there was only one team from every BCS conference that was allowed to go to a bowl game. Well, the Texas AM kansas State Big 12 championship game... Wait, give me two seconds. Okay. Texas a and Kansas State, playing for the Big 12 championship. The winner was going on to a bowl game. Kansas State wins it. They're going on to the national championship bowl game, which I believe was the Sugar It was not the Sugar Bowl that year. It was definitely... No. I'm sorry I have to do this, but you have to go through the rotation. It was at the Sugar Bowl that year. 1999 was at the Sugar Bowl because that's where Virginia Tech got in. Anyway, um, so Kansas State would have gone to the Sugar Bowl. I don't know where Texas A&M would have gone exactly, but a was guaranteed, basically, uh, a bowl spot because they were in an AQ conference. The AQ conferences are the current Power Five and the Big East, which I'll go on a separate thing about how the BCS was a bit good and weird. But basically, in 1998, the one... Uh, team, per conference rule, kind of got into a mess. Kansas State lost in double overtime, 36-33. Kansas State fell to number three in the BCS rankings. Kansas State didn't play in a BCS bowl game. The number three team in the country didn't play in a BCS bowl, and they got relegated to a second-tier bowl game, which they ended up winning, obviously. But Kansas State was pissed. And they were pissed for a reason. Because, holy cow, they should have been in a bowl game. Holy cow, they really should have been in a bowl game. In the BCS. So they petitioned the BCS itself, being a member of it, they were easily allowed to do that, saying, hey, this is some, uh, bullshit? Anyway, we should have gone because we were really, 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 really good. And they were like, yeah, you're right about that. We need to work around that. Okay. Um... So, how are we going to do this? Well, basically, you're in the top something or other. Um, You get to go to a BCS game no matter what. I think it was the top 10 you were guaranteed a BCS game. But 1998 was stupid for a second reason. Now... Though I go to LSU, I'm apparently supposed to hate Tulane for some reason. We don't have a rivalry with them. They're not good enough to have a rivalry with them. I hate them in baseball, but only when we're playing them. I have love for every school in this state because, frankly, as long as we're winning, I'm fine. So they got screwed in 98. (laughs) Uh, They got screwed in 98. I'm trying to remember who was their quarterback. The quarterback was Sean King, and I'm trying to remember, but he went on. like. I have to look this up because you know the name. 98 Tulane was one of the best most underrated teams of the year uh, of possibly of all time. Was one of the most underrated non-BCS teams of all time. Uh Rich Rodriguez was the offensive coordinator. Rich Rodriguez, it was a spread offense. And uh yeah, they went undefeated. They went 12 and 0. But they weren't in an AQ Uh, conference, and they never played a single ranked team. So, computer was like, "Mm, hmm, they don't deserve the highest thing. I mean, they didn't even get a BCS, but it was the stupidest thing ever. The only, the only, uh, AQ team on their schedule was apparently Rutgers? Yeah. Let me tell you how good this team was. You know what their lowest rank, uh, ...their lowest margin of victory was? Uh, just... Let's look through this. Six. It was six to Louisville. It was a 28 to 22 victory. They had absolutely dem- They beat Cincinnati 52 to 34. They beat Navy 42 to 24. They beat Rutgers 52 to 24. They beat Southwest Louisiana University of Louisiana at Lafayette 72 to 20. Yes, I don't care if they were a barely an FBS team. They still beat the crap out of them. They beat the crap out of Houston 48 to 20. Houston was still in a kind of a downturn. They never played a ranked team. So what? They were undefeated and they were kicking everyone's asses by the final game of the season, at the end of it, they were ranked number 11. Now if you're aware of what the BCS did after and I think it was Utah, I think it was Utah, but they eventually remedied the situation. What they did was they introduced a system for the BCS buster. If you were a if you were a non- AQ team, which is basically there are four conferences that were not AQ, which was Conference USA, Sunbelt, um Mountain West. Oh my god, I'm punching myself in the face. Mac. MAC was the fourth one. If you were non-AQ team, oh and whack, there were five. There were five. Uh and eventually there was no whack. And event and at one point there wasn't a Mountain West. Because of stupidity. Um But they basically made a rule saying if you were in the top 15 or slash, and, I don't exactly remember which, you were ranked above the worst AQ conference champion, you would get in the BCS Bowl over that AQ champion. You'd be a BCS buster. And so you would get teams like Hawaii in 2007, who got absolutely demolished, and frankly, maybe that was the result of them not being as good as everyone thought they were, but they did deserve a chance. I will say they deserved a chance, Uh, but you did have a team like... Mount, you had, of course, Boise State. Everyone remembers Boise State. You had TCU. At one point, TCU played Boise State for the Fiesta Bowl in the most underwhelming matchup ever because it shouldn't have needed to be there, but was probably like the most de facto way of determining the real national... Well, not the real national champion, but like the real second-tier national champion, to be honest. uh I had need to watch that game, by the way, because it's pretty legendary uh, for being pretty good pretty good. Um, but yeah, and even the Rose Bowl had to get in on the action. They act, there was weird little contract stipulation that basically they forced the Rose Bowl to eventually include a non-AQ school. And so eventually TCU got in. Uh, cause TCU used to be a Mountain West school and a CUSA school. I know it sounds weird to say Kusa for C-U-S-A, but frankly, tell me a shorter way of saying it. Um, all until they got into the Big 12, which they should have been in from the start. But whatever. Uh, they put TCU in the Rose Bowl. And uh, <laughs> if you're not aware of what TCU did in that Rose Bowl, just go back and look at it. They made Wisconsin look like an absolute joke. It was a close game, but TCU did not look like... um. A lower tier school. They looked like a better team than possibly a Big Ten champion in the past. They really put on a show in the Rose Bowl. Anyway, I am really deviating from where I was, and this thing's gonna go for a long time. But I really don't care. Cause like there's like a hundred of these stupid things. Uh that might have been it. No. Nope. Hmm. Ooh, nah. I don't want to go into the twenty thirteen Auburn Georgia game. Oh yeah, the prayer Jordan hare because everyone knows that one. Jordan hare mispronounced it. It's pronounced with an er. Uh, not the seventy nine Rose Bowl. Okay, let's talk about this one: the twenty eleven Iowa State versus Oklahoma State game, or as LSU fans refer to it, no. Let me explain. I hate Iowa State for that game because it's not a good upset. Everything about that sh- everything about that makes you hate Iowa State. Everything about that made me hate Iowa State. Here's why. It's 2011. LSU has already beaten Alabama. LSU is the number one team in the country. Oklahoma State is number two. And uh, Alabama is number three. That was reasonable. It was reasonable for Alabama to be the third ranked team in the country because they were that good. So Oklahoma State needs to win out. They need to beat Iowa State. And because I think the Big 12 had gotten rid of their uh, their conference championship game, they'd have been done with their season there. They wouldn't have had to worry about anything. They'd have been in the BCS championship. LSU would have had to win the SEC championship first. Then they'd have been in the BCS championship. We were going to win the SEC championship anyway. We just happened to, you know... Was it that year when Tyron Matthew decided to put on a show or what? Anyway... So all Oklahoma State needs to do is beat Iowa State. All they needed to do was do that. Because if they do that, we don't have to deal with the bullshit of Alabama versus LSU for a national championship game when that never should have happened. The BCS was designed to make sure stuff like that didn't happen. It was supposed to be the two best teams in the country, and frankly, I don't know if... Okay, I'm sorry. Though Alabama and LSU were definitely the two best teams in the country... That's not how the BCS was designed. It wasn't designed to let two teams in the same conference, let alone the same division, be in the national championship. Like, it broke the BCS in every way that I thought. Because the way the computer rankings were supposed to work, it was supposed to factor in conference and division championships. And yet, Alabama had neither of those. And Oklahoma State had both of those. Well, okay, they had one of those, because I don't think they were divisions. Anyway, doesn't matter. So, Oklahoma State, it's in overtime. It's in double overtime. And then they give up a touchdown to Iowa State. And I, I don't remember how we felt. Because I cannot remember that far. But I can tell you, I've talked with pe- I've read online. People say, that game, sh- worst thing ever. One of the worst things to ever happen. Here's why. Oklahoma State being in the national championship would have been a much more fun experience than having... L- mm, really hard to say this. We had already played Alabama that year. LSU had already played Alabama that year. It was a 9-6 to slugfest. There was no touchdowns. The game went into overtime, and frankly, no one wanted to face Alabama again. None of the players wanted to face Alabama again. None of the coaches wanted to face Alabama again. None of the fans wanted to see LSU versus Alabama again. Because they knew what it would have been—a slugfest. It ended up with the national championship being worse than a slugfest, a twenty-one to nothing. Snoozer, and one of the worst—if no, it's probably the worst national championship game ever. It was absolutely terrible because it wasn't competitive because no one wanted to play Alabama again. And I know maybe people are saying, "Shut up." We also had the problem with the suspensions that year, if you don't remember. Or was it the next year? Anyway. No, yeah. The suspensions and all. Um, and so, yeah. it just We didn't want to have to face Bama again. Because we knew it would be a sloggy mm, game. Oklahoma State versus LSU would have been fun. Now... It would have been fun for a couple reasons. Number one, Oklahoma State had a fun offense. And it's not talked about enough about that 2011 Oklahoma State team. Brandon Whedon is probably one of the few quarterbacks to have ever gotten drafted because of a wide receiver. If you don't know the name Justin Blackman, he is one of the biggest tragedies in the history of the NFL because, my God, dude, all I have never felt worse because that dude should be legendary right now. Justin Blackman is one of the greatest wide receivers I have ever watched. He is a dude who won... <sighs> he won the Balitnikov Award two times in a row. He's one of only two players to ever do that. Um, He made a 28-year-old quarterback, Brandon Whedon, look draftable to the Browns. Okay, frankly, that isn't as difficult as you think, but, you know, still, first round. First-round draft pick Brandon Whedon, 28 years old, because he had Justin Blackman tearing it up. They had an offense that was nearly unstoppable. They had a decent defense, for the Big 12 at least. Um, It would have been a fun matchup against us. Also, they were a complete joke to us. It would have been a fun matchup, because the game would have ended with us scoring like 40 points on them. They had a good defense for the Big 12. We would have scored 40 on them it would not have been a close game. It would have been a 42 to 21 kind of story. I'm serious. That was another reason we wanted it cuz it was so winnable. It would have been a gimme. When when LSU played Oklahoma, that was kind of that was a tough game in 03. When LSU played Ohio State, not as tough. <laughs> Ohio State was not as good a team as everyone thought they were. Oklahoma State, they were number 2 by default. They were number two de facto because the other conference champions just weren't as good. Now, I don't remember exactly who they were because they weren't as memorable, but I remember Oklahoma State. So that game right there ruined everything. It signaled that, oh boy, here comes Nick Saban, which is unfortunate, isn't it? Because no one wanted Nick Saban. Um, yeah, hadn't they won in 2010? I think they won in 2010. It was their second Uh, and we can go, by the way, there's a lot I can go into with random stuff on here, but I'm going to step away a little bit from this list because I do want to talk about something else. And that something else is the Notre Dame team that ended up playing Alabama in, I think it was 2013. It was 2012 or 2013, and I don't exactly I'm looking this up. Uh because frankly that was one of the most amazingly stupid things ever. <laughs> uh that was the year Johnny Mandel won the won the Heisman, right? I think. I'm double checking this. Twenty thirteen was the year. Okay. It was the 2013 national championship game. It was for the 2012 season and it was between Alabama and the most overranked team in the history of football. Let me try and explain something to you and my thoughts on Notre Dame. I have some strong thoughts on who Notre Dame is. Notre Dame is overrated. I understand the point of Notre Dame. I don't hate Notre Dame In as a... I keep saying things and let me try and explain. Notre Dame is important. It puts college football's History. It's one of the most important schools for the history and the tradition. They're the school that had the golden boy. Paul Hornig, the only Heisman winner to ever come from a team with a losing record. He won over Jim Brown. Gee, I wonder why he won over Jim Brown. If you don't think race was a factor, you don't understand anything about it. Race was a factor. The other factor was the fact that Syracuse wasn't as well known as um, Notre Dame, but Jim Brown should win, should have won the Heisman that year, and not the Golden Boy. He was a good football player, but he was not the Heisman winner, because Jim Brown is one of the greatest athletes to ever play the sport of. Well, which one do you want to go with? Football and lacrosse. He's one of the best athletes to ever play both of those sports. Somehow. Anyway, so Notre Dame's super duper important. Yeah, had win one for the Gipper, and all of that, and they're so much a part of Americana, and oh my goodness gracious, everyone sucks up to them way too much. They have won a national title since the 1980s because they don't give a damn to try and win a national title. Hey, ever since the Bowl Alliance, do you know what's important? Being in a conference. If you don't want to be in a conference, fine. You don't get to compete for national titles. Because your schedule's going to be bullshit. I legitimately think that Uh, Notre Dame needs to join a conference. And you can thank Michigan for the reason they're not in a conference. Because they blocked them from joining the Big Ten back when it was the... I think it was like the Western Alliance or the Western Conference. This was back in the 1800s. And the West wasn't really thought of as much as California. Anyway, uh, it was like the Big Eight. And they were blocked from joining by uh, Michigan. And I think Chicago blocked them. Chicago got in ahead of them. And then left for reasons that we already mentioned, but anyway, Notre Dame is not in a conference and they never will be in, I mean, they joined it for every other sport because eventually it became a necessity for basketball and baseball and all of the other sports, but for football, nah, we'll just always be independent, but because of this whole mystique about Notre Dame football, A, it's important that they're good, no, it's not, they're pointless, they get their own separate TV deal, which frankly, I'm okay with that. You can get your own separate TV deal. Shouldn't be rich. You shouldn't matter as much as you do. Notre Dame could be an ACC school, and frankly, no one would give a damn. They haven't. Est- I mean, they are in every other sport. I think they should join in football. I know that'd be weird for scheduling, but guess what? You do it in other sports. Shut the fuck up. So anyway, 2012 was a great year because Notre Dame started gaining. I want to say good, but they were just winning. They were winning. Everyone was happy. Regis Philbin was happy. I mean, I'm not going to take that away from them. Regis Philbin was happy. Now, I will say that in 2012, uh, their official record was actually 0-1. They had to vacate everything. Whoops! I did forget about that. Yeah. um, Yeah. they'd used ineligible Mm. excuse me I uh, need to (sighs) it feels good it just it feels right you know I don't think you understand it I am a bit I have strong opinions on what Notre Dame is and who they work with the Catholics because I live in South Louisiana and I've been overexposed to the Catholic Church because we are definitely not a representative of what Catholicism looks like in the rest of this country here it's normal in other places it's it's not abnormal but it's not like always around you I'm not saying I have any problem with them besides the fact that the church itself protects uh, pedophiles which you know I don't think anyone should be okay with but don't worry; it's not like the Saints have done anything with that. Oh God, I need to read that article. Anyway, um, but like they're considered to be like, if you're Catholic, gotta root for Notre Dame. This was a this is a thing. Like there is a sizable fan base for Notre Dame in uh, Louisiana just because it was thought like you should root for them if you're Catholic. When Notre Dame came down here uh, to play LSU and I I want to say it was the 60s or the 70s. Like, that was a big tussle of, like, hmm, root for Notre Dame or root for LSU. People rooted for LSU. It was loud. (laughs) I think we won. But anyway, in uh, 2012, Notre Dame was winning. They were winning. I'm not going to make any jokes about Manti Teo, mainly because he was catfished. That's not his fault. Also, he was a really good linebacker, and people need to start talking about that more. Oh my god, that dude should've won the Heisman, maybe. The- Like, he is the closest a pure defender has gotten to a Heisman. He's one of the closest, at least. I think he was runner-up. Like, really, really good. Also, Manti Teo played a pretty nice role on some Saints teams, so, like, I have a bit of a thing for that. Anyway, um... Yes, I see the irony. Shut up. I'm sorry I keep going off track. Anyway, 2012 Notre Dame. I'm not very aware of exactly how great they were. So why don't we look at it? I mean, they did lose all their games. <laughs> Officially, of course. But technically, they didn't. No. You see, they beat Navy 50-10. to They beat Navy in Ireland 50-10. to uh, They beat... Wow. Okay, this is interesting. They just started climbing the rankings. So then they beat Purdue. They beat Michigan State, number ten Michigan State on the road, by seventeen. Okay, that's big. Um. Then they beat Michigan, thirteen to six. They beat the crap out of Miami. Then they beat Stanford, twenty to thirteen in overtime. They beat this. Sh- no, they only beat BYU by three. Huh. Notre Dame versus BYU needs to be more of a thing. I'm just saying. It would be fun. Also, none of y'all should play Liberty ever. Oklahoma. That's number eight team in the country. They beat the crap out of them. Pittsburgh took them to triple overtime. <laughs> and they beat Boston College. And then, okay. So here's a question. How does a 38 nothing victory over... the Teams fell off, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm sorry I'm going through this one, but like, I just don't. This is basically going to start becoming a rant as to why I hate Notre Dame football. But basically, it comes down to everyone else. Notre Dame football is overrated. Notre Dame football shouldn't be given that much serious credibility until it joins a conference. I believe you need to join a conference to be credible. Do you know why? Because the only other schools that aren't in a conference are pointless. And Army. Army isn't in a conference because they didn't want to be. Navy used to not be in a conference. Then they realized, oh, wait, there's a recruiting edge to being in a conference. And they they joined the American. They're not even in the right division for the American. They're in the American's Western division. They're in Annapolis. They're in the Western division for recruiting purposes so that they can go to Texas every year or so. Because there are a lot of um, military recruits that they can get out of Texas. It's actually an interesting little thing. Uh, that's actually why Army, I think, plays a game in that region every year. Yeah. So it's Army, who's always been independent, but they're also Army, and they're never competing for serious national titles. This is not 1943. Uh, you have... Who else? UMass? You have BYU, who wanted to be like Notre Dame, but you know, isn't. And you have New Mexico State. You have UMass and New Mexico State and Liberty. All three are just cast-offs who can't find a conference. Notre Dame, why the heck are you special? What makes you so special? History. Tradition. You're not in a conference. You're not competing for anything besides bowl games. Oh, congratulations. (laughs) You're independent. That's so great. It means you get to schedule such great teams as... Nevada. What <sighs> They they have never played an FCS team, which I actually find to be a bit selfish, pay FCS teams in your state to keep their athletics programs afloat. It's not selfish. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Um they play USC and UCLA. Which, you know, would mean something if those two programs weren't kind of sort of falling out of favor with the national champions. They don't play SEC teams. I know the old-fashioned joke, they ain't playing nobody, Paul. But still, they don't play SEC teams. They basically, they play the weakest conference. They play the weakest conference in the ACC. Oh, congratulations, you played the ACC. Remember remember when they made the college football playoff as the number three seed? And remember when they got trounced? <laughs> they got trounced because they were shit? Because they weren't meaning anything? The only way uh, Notre Dame gets any sort of recognition is if they go undefeated. How will they go undefeated? By having an easy schedule. Now, this team didn't have as easy a schedule. They did have to go through a few ranked teams, especially like Oklahoma's tough. Almost tough. Now, granted, um, maybe it helps that they were using ineligible players. We don't know. They did have to vacate wins for a reason. But still, I don't get it. They get trounced by real teams. They're not that great. When it came to this year, that year, 2012, they were super good. They were the number one team in the country. Everyone knew that they were getting their asses kicked in the, in the national championship. Like, anyone who was anyone knew that that game was meaningless. The SEC championship game was the real national championship game. It was between Alabama and Georgia. Number two versus number three. Whoever won that game was winning the national title. Everyone knew it. It was just so obvious. Because Notre Dame was weak. Here's how we knew Notre Dame was weak. They're Notre Dame. That's about it. They're Notre Dame. They ain't going to beat Alabama. They weren't going to beat Georgia. Those two teams had way better... They have better rosters than, like, 90% of the guys they played. Georgia and Alabama, I think, put more guys on uh, NFL rosters alone than that team did combined. I think combined those two teams put more on it. I keep rambling. I'm sorry. It's just Notre Dame is overrated, Notre Dame is overrated, Notre Dame is overrated, and Notre Dame is overrated. Stop giving them more than they deserve. Put them in a conference and I'll be fine with it. Literally, once they're in the ACC, playing ACC football, competing for ACC championships, I won't give a damn. Because it's like, okay, now you're playing real football. For real. It would... It would be like having a random NFL team, just... There'd be a 33rd NFL team, but it wasn't in the AFC or the NFC. And And occasionally it was given some sort of recognition. Like, no, that's not how this shit works. Play the game like it's meant to be played. You don't get to be randomly considered special because you're not in a conference. Oh, and you've had all this time. Oh, you last won a championship in the 1980s. You not being in a conference does not help your recruiting. You not being able to say we compete for a conference title does not help you with recruiting. You can't win a conference title. Hmm, that's one less piece of hardware you can have. Two less pieces, actually, because you can't win a division title. Hmm. That's two less pieces of hardware that you can win. But we have rivalry trophies. Th- that- that's your selling point. Rivalry trophies. I'm sorry this turned from an actual serious discussion of football to a Notre Dame rant, but frankly, I don't care. Because I really don't like them. Like as an, I'm okay with them. Brian Kelly sucks as a coach. Frankly, I am so happy when he loses. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a damn that you won two national championships at Grand Valley State. Congratulations, you can't recruit. You can't recruit. You had to use ineligible players just to get to a national championship game that you got beat in 42-14. You cannot recruit. Hey, you know what you decided to do when Deshaun Kaiser left early? You decided to do the most... What he said was basically he should not have left. He wasn't NFL ready. Now, while that was true, shut the hell up. Shut the hell up, Brian Kelly. That isn't your call to make. I don't know why people asked him about it. I don't know why he said anything about it. Isn't that like PR 101, don't shit talk your players? And I get sometimes it happens, but it's usually not done by great coaches. And... Wait, well, I mean... Jim Mora did it with Peyton Manning, but he never got the apology. And he never gave an apology. But Jim Mora, also, (laughs) he's not well known for being a calm person. I don't know why I said that. Whatever. Um, God. Man, Jim Mora was a good coach. He, He deserved more. He deserved a lot more than he got. Sorry, separate thing. Um, back to Notre Dame sucks. I don't care about Notre Dame in any other sport but football. And I don't want them to win in football. I just don't. I have an absolute burning desire for them to lose. Because they have no point. They're just history. Oh my god, shut up. You're meaningless to me. I don't care what you've done. The only thing that you're important for is that you popularized football. Guess what? Rutgers invented it. Rutgers invented it, and they're in a conference, and you're not. So why aren't you in a conference? I think by now Michigan's going to let you in. If they let in Nebraska, they'll let you in. Nah, I'm going to move to the ACC, and I'm not going to join them in football, because that's a recruiting advantage. You know, if you were in the ACC, you could win. You could recruit. You could probably... Yeah, you could recruit. And, uh... Hey, look at the situation you're in right now. Oops. Looks like maybe joining a conference was important after all, idiot. Yeah. I think that's gonna do it for this one. I'm sorry that this devolved into a rant about how much I hate a football team that no one cares about besides too many people. I know people who go to Notre Dame. I shouldn't be shit-talking this, but who do I... I was like, but who am I kidding? (laughs) I don't care. I mean, they're not... I will say this. I... They... I... They aren't the worst football team. I don't hate them the most of any football team. That's Liberty. Liberty can die and go to hell. (laughs) Liberty as a football team? I'll end it right here with my little bit of a Liberty thing. Liberty as a school needs to stop. I feel bad for every student that goes there because frankly, it is a hellhole. Jerry Falwell is a piece of shit. Uh, who does not believe in evolution and believes that creationism is a an actual science? Uh, he has forced his students to listen to partisan to go to partisan political rallies for people like Ted Cruz, um, which frankly should be considered a war crime. <sighs> um, yeah, has. The difference, I would say, with... I don't... I will mention BYU here, because... And I know this is a tad bit political, but I will say... I don't really care about BYU. Just in anything. They're Mormons. That's a separate religious thing. They can do what they want. As long as you're not being racist, I'm fine. Like, as long as you're not being racist and horrible towards women, I'll be fine with it. And frankly, Mormonism has a little bit of a problem with that a little bit and I'm not talking about polygamy because that's been outlawed in the Mormon church since the 19th century unlike what most people think and it's been outlawed in the state of Utah since 19, since 1898 and was not written into the state's constitution because it was banned by the United States they were actually told that they couldn't put that in there so that's not necessarily a great thing but still um BYU I really don't care about they're the Mormons they're weird oh no As long as they're not being evil, I'm fine with them. And I know they've had some problems. But at BYU specifically, mm, you can do whatever you want. You can have your honor code. They suspended a few students on their basketball team a few years ago for violating the honor code by having a premarital sex. And people were outraged about that. Like, you can't suspend your students. Oh my god, do you understand how much credit I give BYU for that? Like, Ken Jennings went out and said it, he's a grad of it, and he was saying the same thing that I would, which is they upheld their honor code on star athletes. That's called actually a up- What is the word I'm looking for? Accountability. That's accountability right there. I know, I think it's a draconian policy, but they're upholding it. Four-star athletes, meaning they actually have a policy of discipline. They treat everyone the same. That's pretty good. That's better than a lot of schools would. Looks at Baylor. But then there's Liberty. Jerry Falwell. I disagree with him politically. In the sense that he should be given a political platform, as I believe he should not and should shut the hell up. I believe that he needs to stop being a thing that people listen to because he's a crazy hack job who has no idea what he's talking about, thinks that he knows what Christianity is when he's just trying to get people farther and farther away from the actual teachings, um, and instead closer to his xenophobic, racist, um, conservative dystopia that he thinks is a utopia. I have a lot of strong feelings towards that university, and that's why I don't want them to have any sporting success. I was rooting for them to make a bowl game this year and win it. That way, they could never do it again. I wanted them to get it over with, just so we could say, okay, they've done it. I want everyone to have a chance at that, but you guys have had your one chance at that. Please never do it again. Yeah. So, in conclusion... I don't like Notre Dame for the football reasons, not for the Catholic reasons. Don't worry. I'm fine with the Catholicism. I think it's a bit too much of a sticking point with some fans, and I think that Notre Dame is overrated. They're a decent team. I will say they're pretty good. I'll say they are mo- you couldn't write the history of college football without Notre Dame, and for that reason, I'll never hate them for that. I'll always stand by that, but I don't think that they need to be given any more credit than they deserve. Hey, look, you got to go to the Camping World Bowl and play Iowa State. What the hell is that? No, put them in a real matchup against a real football team, not against Iowa State. Put them up against someone that could actually put them to test, put them to task, and beat them. Mostly that last part, beat them. I want them to have ten wins and lose. I want them to go exactly 9 and 4 every year, basically. Go 9 and 4 every single year. Don't get to 10 wins ever. Screw you, Brian Kelly. You're a terrible person for a head coach. I I'm sorry that I had to go off on that one, but frankly, that's going to be enough. Um if you listen all the way through to this, I don't know how you got through it, but this was much better, I think. And actually, they kept on topic. Uh and my train of thought I think was a little bit better. I tried to stay away from politics. The only thing I really got into was a terrible work culture that, frankly, we we can all agree that the thing that happened at Washington's headquarters was not something that we can ever condone in our workspaces as people. That if we see something in the future, we should say something. That was one thing that there was one person there who actually did stop and try and help the woman who was... One woman. I'm not exactly sure who. um, But he never filed a report with HR. Probably because that wasn't going to go anywhere. But we need more people like them to do things. And you need to be one of those people. That's an important thing. That's not political. That's the general thing. If you... You need to speak up. And then there's football thing. Which I went over for a long time. (sighs) Because I like to talk about football a lot. Um, And then I went on a ramble about how much I don't particularly care for Notre Dame. (laughs) And then there was Liberty. Which, yes, was a bit political. But I don't care because it's Jerry Falwell. If you know anything about Jerry Falwell, we have... Let me just say this. If you agree with Jerry Falwell's ideas. And you have looked them up. We need to talk. On this program. Because frankly, I'd really like to hear what other crazy conspiracy theories you believe in. Or crazy crap you believe in. Because frankly you cannot. Yeah. So that's going to be the end of this. Thank you for listening to Outward Thoughts. If you made it to the end of this. I have no idea why. Um. Yeah. Maybe I'll record something else. Another time. Yes. I do keep recording things. But you know. If I got something to say. I got something to say. And maybe you'll listen. And maybe you won't. So yeah this is outward thoughts uh, the next episode will be out before when before Thursday probably Tuesday or Wednesday so stay tuned for that possibly a little bonus mini thing in the middle excuse me and yeah bye bye.